Hello and welcome to Painting the Corners. This is the live trade deadline reaction podcast. I got Logan with me. It's about 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern, and we have got trades flowing like water. What are the latest updates, Logan? Uh, so the latest update about something that hasn't gone down yet is going to be the pursuit of Pablo Lopez. The Marlins made it known that they were going to be open to trade talks for about every single player except for Sandy Alcantara. So with Pablo Lopez, it had been reported about 20 minutes ago that the Dodgers were kind of making a final push, but now we have come to learn that they are not in pursuit of him anymore. I repeat, mm. they are not in the pursuit of Pablo Lopez, but there are two mystery teams that are trying really, really hard to get him in the last 35 minutes. And according to Mark, Mark Feinstein, it could be coming down to the last couple seconds to see if a deal for Pablo Lopez gets done. Wow. So yeah, as a reminder, we got about 30 minutes left. Deadline is at 6 Eastern. And, of course, news still kind of filters in for probably about a half hour after that. Um, of course, Zach Greinke, a few deadlines ago, was traded to the Astros. Uh, we didn't hear about that deal until, what, 20 minutes, 30 minutes after the deadline. So, going to have a lot to get to uh, this afternoon. Obviously, the big deal, Soto, this morning. If you want to hear about that. Head over to our other podcast today, the Soto Special. Um, but we're going to break down all the other moves around the league. Uh, where do you want to get started, Logan? Well, I'll start by just saying right now uh, we have a small trade, but one that's notable. Um, Jake Lamb has been traded to the Seattle Mariners from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm. And Trevor Rosenthal has been traded from the Giants to the Brewers. The interesting part about the Rosenthal one is he never pitched an inning for the Giants as he has been hurt all year. Yeah, Giants picked him up kind of an under-the-radar signing in the middle of the season, coming back from injury. Brewers looking to replace um, the bullpen depth that they lost with Josh Hader, so they hope he can make a successful return. Uh, yeah, Jake Lamb, obviously not a not a franchise changer for the Mariners. I think that's probably just because the Dodgers need a roster spot for Gallo, I would assume. Yeah, um, yeah, no, no playing time left for for Lamb. But that brings us to Joey Gallo. Interesting trade. Uh, obviously, we knew the Yankees were looking to move on from him. We talked a little bit in the other podcast about his uh, transition from the New York market to the LA market, but. I was actually pretty surprised that the Yankees, A, didn't have to pay down his contract, and B, got a somewhat solid prospect in return. Yeah, so so was I. I didn't expect them to get much of anything. I thought it would be much more of a salary dump scenario and take what you can get, but no, they got a fairly solid prospect from the Dodgers in that deal, so good on the Yankees, and not 100% sure the Dodgers thought process behind this one um i see the potential but not sure what their their goal is going forward here yeah and speaking of the yankees they um before the padres stole the show they were probably the winners of the trade deadline um they had some needs in the outfield they wanted guys who'd get on base they wanted a number two starter behind garrett cole for a playoff series and they wanted to increase their bullpen depth after losing michael king and they accomplished all of those goals uh, and more. They got Andrew Benintendi, one of the top outfielders available, high average, high OBP guy, really good fit 
there in New York. We predicted that actually on the trade deadline preview episode. So that was nice. And then they went out for the big splash and got Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino um, from the A's for four prospects. Obviously Montas, one of the best arms available, probably second only to Luis Castillo. Um, Very, very solid number two starter to place behind Garrett Cole. That rotation is pretty fearsome now. Um, And some some bullpen depth with Trevino as well. The big thing here is that the Yankees did not have to surrender any of their top, top, top prospects. Um, They reportedly have been very reluctant to part with uh, Anthony Volpe, um, Oswald Peraza as well, and Jason Dominguez. So they got these deals done without using any of those top three guys. They also got Scott Efros from the Cubs. Um, Pretty underrated move. And I wanted to mention that because... The Yankees took our advice a little bit. We mentioned um, what we thought teams should do with their controllable relievers. Uh, do you want to explain that, Logan? Yeah, so when you look at relievers, right, it's an extremely volatile position in terms of year to year. You do not know what you're getting except for a handful of guys like the Haters and the uh, Lan- or excuse me, the Liam Hendricks types. Um, but for the most part, it's very up and down, and you can never expect dominance multiple years in a row majority of the time so our theory our thought process at least was if you have a guy even if he's controllable you know that's going to net you more prospect value why hold on to them if you're not a contending team unless you're planning to contend in the next year maybe even two but if you're not like the cubs or even the pirates holding on to david bednar go and get some prospects you're not going to have higher value than you are now and let's be real the cubs got a pretty sizable prospect in return for Efros, who's having, I mean, he's it's his first real good year. He's 29 years old. He's not a young guy, um, but does have five years left of control. It, it was a good, good job by the Cubs to highlight exactly what we had been talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Like Bednar for the Pirates could get hurt or have a bad year for the Pirates next year and just never command the same kind of trade value again. And that's just the, re- the risk you take with relievers. But yeah, you mentioned uh, Hader as one of the premier bullpen arms, one of the guys you can be pretty confident in his performance. And he was traded to the Padres yesterday morning um, in probably the most surprising trade of the deadline so far in that we didn't really see this one coming. You know, the Padres had been speculated to be fits for Hader for a couple of years now, but you know, there wasn't really anything to suggest that this deadline would be any different than the last couple off seasons and deadlines. Um, but kind of what made the deal happen was the Padres included their own recent trade acquisition, Taylor Rogers, who had been closing for them um, until his kind of recent demotion after struggles in, in July. Um, and obviously it's not just a one-for-one swap. Hater beats the pants off Rogers any day of the week. So the Padres also had to include a couple prospects, um, plus Denelson Lamette to make up the difference. Um, Lamette doesn't really provide very much value. Um, you might remember remember he was really good in 2020 as a starter. He actually came in fourth in the NL Cy Young, but an injury that September um, ended his season before the playoffs, and he elected not to get surgery, and he really has never been the same since. So Brewers got kind of a reclamation project there 
with him. Um, obviously high upside, but not somebody that you're going to trust immediately with high leverage situations. Uh, the two prospects, Estre Ruiz, actually is in the big leagues right now, or at least he was on the Padres, um, came up kind of out of nowhere. He's a super speedster center fielder, has a decent approach at the plate, but hitting is not really his calling card. Um, he does have some future power that he can tap into, but his his big thing is his speed. He stole 60 bases in 69 games, or sorry, in 69 attempts in the minor leagues this season. Um, he led the minor leagues at the time of his call-up, so that's definitely a potential difference-making player. At the very least, he could be a kind of Terrence Gore-type pinch runner special guy uh, for the Brewers. And then the other prospect is Robert Gasser, uh, the top pitching prospect in the Padres system. He's in, I believe, high A, uh, having a pretty good season. Um, got swing and miss stuff, just kind of has to refine his control and um, pitch selection. Yeah, so I just kind of want to touch on some of the prospects and, and trade candidates that might be going um, might be going down in the last 25 or so minutes. Um, we obviously have names like Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, who have yet to be traded for them, the Cubs. There's plenty more guys, but I think those are the two main ones that have been really thrown around in, in trade talks. Uh, we do have reports, though, that the Mets have backed out on on the, their pursuit of Contreras, which makes that an interesting development. Um, that seemed like a pretty safe fit. Uh, I know the Potters had been involved. The Astros, the Astros did fill their fill their hole there with Christian Vasquez earlier this week in a in a pretty solid trade for them. Padres still could become players, though you're not sure what we're going to get at this point from them. Let's look at the Mets. They've done a lot of solid additions today. They added uh, Ruff from the San Francisco Giants. is a good power righty bat. Hits lefties very well. It's something that they definitely, definitely needed. They've made other additions like Vogelback um, to, to really sure up their, their platoon split uh, power guys. They're making small moves here and there to just kind of sure up some some small holes because they don't have many big ones. Let's jump back, though, to Pablo Lopez because we have some other news. Uh, we reported earlier that there was an issue with the Dodgers and Lopez and that the Dodgers had backed out, but we now know that the uh, Yankees are in on Pablo Lopez, and it seems like they are highly aggressive in trying to get him. We'll have to see how it shakes out for, for Lopez, um, but it sounds like, like I said earlier, it could come down to the last couple minutes here we got another trade to report that has officially gone through the minnesota twins have acquired michael fulmer from the tigers in an interdivision trade that's going to bolster the back end of their bullpen twist they've already seen an addition of jorge lopez today um it's a solid solid day for the twins who have now got three new arms which was clearly their biggest hole um that was a great great addition for the twins in my opinion yeah, so Fulmer, Lopez, and Tyler Molly, the starter. Um, I think we both predicted uh, on our little Instagram predictions post, um, we both predicted Molly to the Twins. So that was nice. Um, really good fit there. Twins obviously needed an arm. Their rotation has been struggling mightily of late. I think their ERA is over eight in July. So hopefully Molly will stabilize that for them. Um, good pickup for sure. 
and we have another trade that is a bounce for Ford. This one is a much bigger one. The Phillies are now close to acquiring Noah Syndergaard from the Los Angeles mm. Angels um, in a trade that will sure up their rotation for sure. We know Syndergaard is not the same that he used to be with the Mets, but it's a good addition um, for a team that can always use arms. Yeah, and that signifies the uh, beginning of the end for the Angels here. They're committed to selling. Um, we obviously know they're not trading Shohei Otani, but another really disappointing season for the Halos. Um, obviously entered with playoff aspirations for, gosh, the fifth, sixth year in a row and came up short for the fifth, sixth year in a row. Um, unfortunate, but, you know, hopefully they come back next year with Trout and Otani for one last ride. Yeah, the Angels definitely got to figure something out because you can't keep losing when you got Trout and Otani on that team. Now, it begs the question, though I've seen no rumors on it, is if the Angels are going to be looking to sell Iglesias at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Signed him to a fairly sizable contract, so I would be surprised, to say the least. Um, but the Angels have done more surprising things, uh, such as a trade they made earlier today, which is the weirdest trade of the deadline to most, and, and I would have to agree. They traded Brandon Marsh to the Phillies, Um kind of giving up early on a young outfielder there to get back a big catching prospect. Totally, totally understand wanting wanting to get a, a return, a prospect value if you're the Angels. Um, without getting too much into it, it just, it's a curious trade, to say the least. Yeah, it really is. I mean, if you're trading Marsh, one of your most valuable chips, I don't understand why you're not getting some controllable pitching for that. I understand that they have a bit of a vacancy at catcher over the next few years after Stassi's gone, but pitching is always the priority in Anaheim for the last decade or so. And uh, using up Marsh and not getting any pitching back is a pretty curious move there. So we have an interesting development, though, in the Marsh replacement category. So the Phillies have traded for Noah Syndergaard, as mentioned earlier, but they have given up two prospects, one of them by the likes of Mickey Moniak, who fits a similar build to Mm. um, our boy Brandon Marsh, who I'm sure is going to fill that same role. Um, That is a very interesting, interesting day for for the Angels now, who apparently value... Mickey Moniak maybe a little bit more than Marsh in their future, which, again, another curious decision by an organization that makes a lot of curious decisions. Yeah, I don't see how you could value Moniak more than Marsh. That's just not really um, feasible. But also interesting, Phillies and Angels make two trades within the same day, two separate trades. So really we could kind of see this as Sundergaard and Marsh for the Moniak the catching prospect and that other prospect um, that you mentioned. I'm assuming probably a pitcher. Did they get at least one pitcher out of this? We haven't yet heard who the second prospect is, but I will report as soon as as we know. I would say Better though, be a pitcher. you look at it that way, where you're combining both trades. Um, I do, I do like it for the Angels. It just is weird because it came in separate trades. I don't know why you would value Moniak over Marsh, like you said, but maybe they do. Let's cover some trades that went on earlier today and in the last few days. I wanted to touch on the trade that the two reigning pennant winners made, uh, the Astros and the Braves, last night swapped Mm -hmm. Jake Odorizzi and Will Smith. Um, Really interesting deal here for a few reasons. Number one, it's pretty rare to see two contenders 
make a trade uh, just kind of goes against the usual pattern of veteran for prospect trades that we usually see. Um, but in this case, both of these players were kind of surplus value on their team. Uh, the Braves have a very strong bullpen. Um, so Smith, I mean, he won't really be missed. He wasn't having a great year. They have Minter and Matzik as great lefties, um, plus a good collection of righties as well. So Smith was kind of the odd man out there. And for the Astros, they've been they've been rolling with a six-man rotation, including Odorizzi. And now with McCullers coming back, that'll go up to seven. So they really had no, no place for Odorizzi. The questionable thing here is where these guys fit on their new clubs. So I understand that the Astros have a lack of left-handed bullpen arms, but Will Smith is not really going to solve your problem, at least if he's pitching, if he continues to pitch how he has pitched. He has a 4-3-8 ERA and negative war. Um, Not exactly a usual trade candidate for a, a rental, you know, for a contender. Um, Oda Rizzi is having a good year, 3.75 ERA. I don't really understand how this makes sense for the Astros. The Braves um, can definitely use the starting pitching depth because Spencer Strider is coming up on his innings limit. But again, they've had good production out of the rotation, so it didn't seem like um, a huge area of need for them coming up to the deadline. What's your take on that, Logan? So yeah, it, that that's definitely an interesting interesting trade that we don't see a ton of. Um, I, I I tend to agree with you for the most part. It's just it's a trade to me that if you're getting a reliever for a starting pitcher, that reliever better be significantly better than a starting pitcher, though it's just not been the case. I do want to update the viewers here on a very interesting trade, another major leaguer for major leaguer trade that just went down that has my head scratching and I'm sure it will have yours as well. The New York Yankees have acquired Harrison Bader from the St. Louis Cardinals Whoa. in exchange for Jordan Montgomery. A very, like I said, interesting trade. Um, another trade that we have to break down after the fact is the Mets have acquired uh, Michael Givens as well. So those are the two trades that have just happened here in the last 30 seconds. But I think we need to start by uh, addressing the Bader for Montgomery deal. I mean, the Montgomery addition for the for the Cardinals makes total sense to me. Um, and I understand why the Yankees feeling comfortable with their starting arms, got rid of them getting rid of Bader thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, that's definitely interesting because we mentioned with their pursuit of Soto that Bader was their only true center fielder, right? So they're going to be playing Carlson out there. He's performed adequately, but he's certainly not anywhere near Bader's level. Um, Bader, I think is, two-time reigning gold glover in center field. So it doesn't seem like the Cardinals would want to give him up. I know they have plenty of prospects. Um, It seems like they could have acquired a different starter without surrendering Bader, you know, Uh, maybe go after Syndergaard or somebody like him. I don't know if they were in on Syndergaard and Molly and others and maybe got outbid. Uh, But yeah, this one's definitely a head-scratcher. It definitely is, and for the Yankees, I love this trade. You're getting a elite defensive center fielder, like you mentioned, for a team that lacks that sort of production. Um, and getting rid of Montgomery, who is at this point definitely expendable after the addition of Montas. So it's a great it's a great deal for the Yankees, and and definitely com- confusing for the Cardinals. Though I understand why they want the starter. Giving up Bader is definitely interesting. Um, we come down here to the final couple minutes of the deadline. We only got two minutes left. Um, like I mentioned earlier, 
The Cubs have traded reliever Michael Givens to the Mets. Uh, return not yet known, though the Mets have gotten a, a fairly solid reliever there um, to sure up that bullpen. Can never um, need enough relieving arms, and they definitely proved that with that addition there. It'll be interesting to see what they gave up, though I imagine nothing too, too big. Yeah, I think the big question here as we approach the deadline is, what about Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ? Uh, they were two of the top names talked about. Um, they were both in our top 10 uh, pre-deadline names that we talked about. And um, yeah, interested to see whether the Cubs hang on to them, actually. Yeah, so there's definitely a couple guys in our top 10 that haven't been traded yet. And like I said, we have a minute left. That doesn't mean that there won't be trades that kind of leak afterwards. So we'll stay on in case they do. But Contreras, it looks like the Cubs are either going to do one of two things, extend them or offer him a qualifying offer. Hap, there's never pressure to trade because you did have an extra year of control on him. Though it does mm-hmm. seem curious when a guy's having a career year like this, not to try to get max value, especially after Soto got traded. They had a lot of time. But there's clear indications that um, for whatever reason, their price level was not matched because you see guys like Bader and 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 others like Moniak and, and Marsh getting traded as center field options when one would think that if that's going to happen, why half isn't moving? I'm not too, too sure. Um, we have officially hit the 3 o'clock Pacific time, 6 o'clock Eastern time deadline. Um, and like we said, we'll stay on as, as more um, more things start to roll in. I'm sure there will be a couple things here and there. We do have an official word on Pablo Lopez that he is staying put. Um, so that one already seemed like a curious, curious thing to pull off there. So, um, but yeah, it's it's been a hectic, hectic deadline, and it's surprising. It really is that Contreras and Hap did not move. And but I, oh, we have oh, this is a big one. The mm. Royals have traded Whit Merrifield. We do not mm. know who, but this has just come through. I say it's a big one, not because he's some superstar anymore, but wow, have we heard his name in trade talks for five years at this point, if not more. Um, so he finally gets dealt. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. I am I'm surprised. I did not think that would have happened. Yeah, it clearly seemed like a case of the Royals hanging on too long. Uh, his trade value probably peaked a couple of years ago, having a uh, not-so-good year this year. But they still found a taker. It'll be interesting to see, A, who they sent him to, and B, what they got back. Yeah, I know both of us had predicted him to stay, if I'm not mistaken, in mm-hmm. Kansas City. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't see too many fits out there, but you are getting a versatile contact first hitter, whoever decides to go after him. I'm wondering if maybe the Dodgers would. Um, could be. Could... The Braves also need some middle infield help. Yeah, that's a good. That's actually a really good. One. I like the Braves fit more than I do the Dodgers, and I will obviously relay the information as soon as I get it. In the meantime, do you want to break down some trades that happened this weekend? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you. Um, I'll let you start off there. Pick pick one that you you thought was interesting and go ahead. Sure. Well, we said in our in our second episode, trade deadline preview, that Luis Castillo would probably command the biggest haul of the deadline outside of Soto. And I think we are clearly right on that one. Blockbuster of a trade. Castillo went to the Mariners, um, who we mentioned as a speculative fit. Uh, I think we actually might have predicted uh, Montas going to the Mariners. Um, But yeah, definitely a blockbuster. The Reds got a big haul. Noeli Marte and Edwin Arroyo they come in at 47 and 48 on 
Baseball America's top 100 prospects list. So definite blue chippers there. Levi Stout, another top 10 prospect for the Mariners. Um, and then another throw-in prospect as well. So yeah, definitely a big return for the Reds. Good on them. But Mariners, they're going in big time. They're looking pretty scary. Uh, they surged in June and July after a somewhat slow start. And now they got a top three of Castillo, breakout ace Logan Gilbert, and reigning Cy Young Award winner Robbie Ray. So I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to face them in a short series in the postseason. No, I, I wouldn't. And it's a team that can get electric and get hot, as they proved when they went on that very long winning streak earlier this year. We do have confirmation of the team that Whit Merrifield is going to. And it's a very interesting one. It's the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, I say it's interesting mm. because... Not only is that an interesting fit, though I do see it, um, he is not vaccinated. And we know that is an issue when it comes oh. to the Toronto Blue Jay. So one has to imagine the reason this took so long probably has to do with the fact that they had to make sure he was comfortable getting vaccinated. And that's why we're seeing this one after the deadline. Wow, it's yeah, really, good call. That's a really interesting move. I'm, that is an interesting move that because they have Espinal. Yeah, I don't see the fit there at all. They've got a really good middle infield with Bichette and Espinal. I don't know where they're really planning to play Merrifield. They've got good corner outfielders as well, Teoscar Hernandez um, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Right. I don't know. Maybe just bench bat insurance policy? I guess. I don't see the how much of an impact he's going to make compared to Espinal. Like you said, they have good outfield depth the only thing i can think of is this right now they're rostering three center fielders george springer rymel tapia and bradley zimmer obviously tapia's actually had a fairly solid year there and you're not going to get rid of springer uh zimmer played to a 452 ops so my guess is they envision him replacing him on the roster i don't know why they feel like they have to replace their nine you know their very last guy on the roster but they obviously felt like they did and, and that's kind of what i'm seeing yeah i mean maybe they see something with the swing or some adjustment he can make that will return him to form but uh yeah on the surface another another move that um definitely requires some thinking yeah so okay we're past the three o'clock deadline yeah so i do have some more news to report um we got a couple guys who we know for sure are not being moved. One is going to be Matt Moore of the Rangers. His name has been thrown around a lot today, though that is not something that will come to fruition, understandably. The big one, the Cubs are not trading Contreras or Hap, wow. so we can lay to rest that debate. That will not be happening today. That is very surprising. Hap, only mildly surprising. Contreras, very surprising. As, a, as an impending free agent, all the indication was that he was going to be dealt. And the Cubs have not have reportedly not have any extension talks with his agent. So it uh, looks like he will depart for free agency. Uh, the Cubs will probably get a draft pick if they give him a qualifying offer. And uh, that's it. Yeah, that is that is a little bit little bit shocking to say the least. And I'm sure the Cubs are going to get some slack on that. We do have the return now for Merrifield. Mm. Um, it's going to be Samad Taylor and Max Castillo. Max Castillo is not a top prospect, but he is a right-handed pitcher in the AAA ranks of minor leagues. Um, Taylor is a ranked prospect. He is number 16 on the Jays' top 
30 list. Um, ironically, he is a second baseman outfielder, so he fits the very similar mold that Merrifield does. Um, he's 24. He's playing in AAA this year where he's hit to a 763 OPS. You know, he's doesn't look like anything flashy, but he has speed. He's still, stolen 23 bases this year and has been up to 44 at one point or another in his minor league career. So I'm guessing that's a solid return for the Royals. I, I can't say for sure. I don't know a ton about him, but... Yeah, that certainly doesn't clear anything up for me from the Blue Jays. Side. No. I mean, if you need a second base outfielder, why don't you just call up your 24-year-old that's in AAA? I would um, no, I would I would completely I, agree. I mean, what's Merrifield's OPS this year? Like 650 or something? I am not too sure what Merrifield has has done this year. Uh, I can quickly check real quick, but I just know from a from a Royals perspective and if I'm a fan of the Royals, I'm definitely frustrated with the lack of acknowledgement to where the team stands you know that where Merrifield could have gotten more back in years past um, and they really let his value drizzle away and you could not see a, a window of competition anytime soon I am definitely confused on on that and I'm sure the front office is probably frustrated because they could have gotten top 10 prospects from systems but instead they're gonna have to settle with a, a meddling seems like utility type player um, Merrifield, to your credit, does support a 642 OPS this year. So, again, nice. nothing special. I really do not understand this for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I don't either. Another trade dimension, uh, just because we kind of predicted this one a little bit. Jose Quintana came in, I believe, seventh on our top 10 trade candidates list. And he was traded to the Cardinals, and we had speculated that the Cardinals might do this because it looks a lot like what they did last deadline with Jay Happ and John Lester, uh, soft-tossing lefties that they acquired at the deadline uh, who helped them get to the playoffs in the wildcard berth. How do you think Quintana is going to do in red? You know, uh, statistically speaking, you're not seeing a lot of potential there. The the numbers don't love him. They've definitely said he's played to a luckier side of things this year, but the Cardinals have done in this year in and year out where they get these old dudes who don't throw very hard and who seemingly seem to be at the end of their careers and they perform. It's kind of ironic because we know they did that in years past when they acquired Jay Happ and John Lester towards the end of both of their careers. And this year they did that with Quintana and another lefty, Jordan Montgomery, um, who albeit is not old, um, another double lefty deadline where they do not make a big splash. Cardinals definitely do not have the deadline that I'm sure some of the fans would have liked to see, especially when they're a wild card team. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. I think one more trade, a couple more trades we have to break down. Um, we got a three-team trade last night. The Orioles finally part ways with Trey Mancini. Um, they send him to Houston. Um, in return, Houston sends Jose Siri to the Rays, and the Rays send three prospects, one of whom goes to the Orioles and two to the Astros, I believe. Or maybe two to the two to the Orioles, one to the Astros. Um, so in other words, the Orioles gave up Mancini for two prospects. The Astros give up Siri for Mancini and a prospect, and the Rays give up three prospects for Siri. Um, 
Man, yeah. From the O's perspective, it sucks for the fans. Um, hopefully it improves the future outlook, but I mean, undoubtedly this affects the morale in the clubhouse uh, for sure. And I would be shocked if the Orioles continue to play at the level that they have been playing this year. Um, I mean, they probably shouldn't have gone for it and, you know, sold off vet, uh, sold off prospects to get veterans and, you know, really tried to contend this year. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but this might be one of those times where the good baseball decision isn't really the good decision. You know, Mancini, this whole thing is bigger than baseball. Um, coming back from cancer, uh, he's just an absolutely beloved figure in Birdland, uh, clubhouse leader. And I think that's not the right move, even if you get a couple decent prospects for him. What's your take? From the Astros' perspective, I totally get it, but I know a lot of fans in baseball are, are frustrated with the decision to let let a guy like Mancini go from an organization that saved his life. He had cancer, clubhouse guy, but it's not like they were 500 games out of first. They were three games out of the wild card, and then to sell as hard as they did, especially with a guy like Mancini, definitely something that um, I know myself disagree with, and I can see a lot of people outwardly disagreeing with as well we have a very big trade that has just gone down post deadline mm. the angels have just traded away reliever rafael iglesias to the atlanta braves wow for jesse chavez and their number five prospect tucker davidson now this becomes a very interesting trade obviously iglesias is owed quite a bit of money he's got 10 million this year and i believe it's 12 million for the next three years after that so the Braves are picking up a solid financial commitment for sure. My guess is that they envision him being the closer of the future once Kenley is gone there. The number five prospect that they get is a left-handed starting pitcher. Tucker Davidson has pitched at the big leagues this year. Um, so he, he is 26 years old. It's an interesting addition, though, for the Angels. And the in- most interesting part of this is... Jesse Chavez, who goes back in the deal to the Angels, he's pitched phenomenal this year. For the Braves, he's supported a 2.66 ERA in 34 games uh, through 44 innings, striking out 50 guys in those 44 innings. So they're losing a fairly valuable reliever, not to say that he's the same level as Rafael Iglesias. However, it's a, it's a, another interesting move. There has been some very interesting moves this this deadline, and I think this adds to it. Definitely. I mean, Iglesias has a 4.04 ERA. His ERA is a run and a half higher than Chavez's. Now, I know Chavez is not exactly uh, overpowering. He's probably getting a little lucky, but still, I mean, you might want to just ride your hot hand that you have, not mix up the bullpen situation. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where Iglesias will slot in to that Braves bullpen, but also the Braves have a really good bullpen. We mentioned it already with uh, the Will Smith trade. Their bullpen is, I believe, 12th in ERA and 4th in FIP. So they've been getting a little unlucky, but definitely a strong group. So yeah, I mean, Iglesias, he had a stellar year last year. Um, not so hot this year. 404 isn't nothing to nothing to shake a stick at, but it's not outstanding either. So definitely a curious move here. I don't know if that's worth uh, your number five prospect for that upgrade of Iglesias over Chavez. Obviously, you have Iglesias for another two or three seasons after this one, so uh, I suppose that's good. But 
only if he produces at a value that's greater than the 12 million a year that he's getting. Yeah, I, I usually feel like the Braves make very smart moves. I don't think this is a smart move. I feel like this might be a little bit of an overpay for a guy who struggled this year and is getting paid a lot of money. Again, relievers are really tough to deal when you have that much money attached to them. And I know I mentioned this maybe 10 minutes ago to see if the Angels might move them, but that contract is tough to move. Obviously, they didn't have trouble here, and they got a pretty solid major league-ready prospect in return. Angels need starting pitching. I think it's a no-brainer for the Angels. I think this is a phenomenal trade. You get a reliever for the now in Jesse Chavez to help you this year to at least give you some innings out of the pen, and you get a starting pitcher who, again, albeit 26 years old, is top-five prospect in a Braves system and major league-ready. I don't see the downside of this one for the Angels. I don't love it for the Braves. Yeah, another weird trade. So I think probably now, after giving up in total, Syndergaard, Marsh, and Iglesias— the Angels have probably pieced together a fair return in a very weird way. They seem to have gotten more than they deserved for Iglesias, about a fair deal for Syndergaard, and a lot less than they deserved for Marsh, by my reckoning. Yeah. Obviously, though, these teams have different perspectives, different opinions on these prospects, too. So just because we say that this guy is the number fifth ranked, number five ranked prospect in the Braves system, the Braves could be of the opinion that, well, this guy's never even going to make it to the big leagues. So there's there's that to consider too. Yeah, it's a um, it's a very interesting interesting deadline to say the least. And I'm excited for us to get our deadline breakdown video, or excuse me, podcast out at some point here in the future. I think that will be an extremely, extremely interesting one to, to break down some of these trades. Uh, initial thoughts, and I could be wrong, to me, and let me know how you feel, there's been more and more major league player for major league player trades this deadline than I've ever seen. 100% agree. I mean, this used to be a more common occurrence, but my goodness. 100% agree. Yeah. That was surprising. Um, Contreras not being dealt was surprising. The Red Sox. We should mention the Red Sox. Take a little bit of time here. They are walking the rope, um, trying to buy and sell, stay competitive while also kind of adding to their future. I don't even know where to start with them. Um, they ended up taking on Eric Hosmer after the Padres failed to trade him to the Nationals. That was an interesting development after our Soto episode earlier. They also get Tommy Pham from the Reds. They trade away their catcher, Christian Vasquez, to the Astros, but then pick up a catcher, Reese McGuire, from the White Sox in exchange for reliever Jake Diekman. Um, really some curious moves there from the Red Sox. We've seen this strategy pay off, at least in the short term. The 2018 uh, Diamondbacks pulled this off by trading Paul Goldschmidt and yet remaining competitive in the wildcard race. They made the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, that didn't really work out for them long term because... They are currently dwelling in the NL West basement, but um, it'll be definitely interesting to see where this goes for the Red Sox. Definitely is, and, and it's another interesting aspect of it is if they fail to even make a competitive run here, it's going to be another failure at the deadline for Bloom. I mean, he's not going to trade away Bogarts. He's not going to trade away JT or Yavaldi. I don't know. I look at the history of what Bloom has done there as a Red Sox general manager and 
<laughs> I mean, I see an F. The dude's lost bets. Yeah, I'm not really impressed at this point. No, and I, I thought it was a great hire at the time. I thought he was a very smart individual, and obviously they had the special playoff run, but this year they have not looked the team that they did last year. I don't know. I mean, there's just time and time again where I'm not liking what Bloom has done over there. And this is another example. This deadline made no sense to me, and I can, I'm can i sure we can break it down and figure something out, but... Yeah, he to fail to get rid of JD Xander and at least one of those two, Andy Evaldi, it just seems like another fail to me. And granted, sure they can get the comp picks. Sometimes the trades you don't make are the best trades, but man, I don't know. That's a tough one. That is a tough deadline for them. Yeah. I mean, they could have committed. It seems like it would have been better at this point. Obviously, we haven't we can't judge this because we don't know how it goes out, how it plays out, but Course. It seems like it would have been better to either commit to competing or commit to selling off. Yes. And they, they've they tried to, to split the middle, and I don't know. I don't know how it'll work out for them. Um, one other thing to mention is it may be trade deadline season, but it's also extension season, apparently. Um, yeah. Padres extended Joe Musgrove, their hometown ace, five years, $100 million. And the Braves, seemingly out of nowhere, extended Austin Riley, their all-star third baseman, a $200 million deal there that will lock him up for 10 years through his age 36 season. Um, So big moves there. The Braves now have three quarters of their infield locked up for at least five or six years now, I think. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like it. It definitely seems like it. So... We're 25 minutes now past the deadline. We're about 10 minutes since our last trade has dropped. Um, not sure if we're going to see any more movement at this point. I'd say I usually give it 20 minutes, and at that point you're not going to see too much more. It's been a wild deadline, one of the most wild that I can remember in recent times. you got the best player of all time to be traded in Juan Soto, the major league for major league trades is something we haven't seen since the 1900s. Um, you got contracts being moved, three-team trades, feelings being hurt. It's going to be extremely exciting to be able to break this down in our podcast in the future when we really dive into some of these bigger name trades. I absolutely agree. Can't wait. All righty, so... Unless there's anything else you wanted to discuss, I think the trade deadline has has officially wrapped up, and and we're going to have to now start to move into who's going to get qualifying offers, second-half looks, um, winners and losers of the deadline, and ideally who's going to be making the playoffs based on what they did or did not do this deadline. Yeah, it's pennant chase time. Awesome. So thank you guys so much for, for joining us on on our double upload season, it was an exciting day, no doubt, for Padres fans. And if your team made a lot of moves, awesome. If not, don't be mad at us. Uh, appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you again soon. Hey, one more thing. Oh, yeah. 29 of the 30 teams made a trade this deadline. <laughs> I think you can guess which one did not. Colorado Rockies never change. All right, never see you change. next time. Later. <laughs>